The Hot Nerd Bog is a subscription and advert-free podcast. Please help us keep it that way by either donating or purchasing products from our store. Or alternatively, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just follow the link in the description below. Thank you and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Hut Near the Bog, the podcast where a life and business coach and a philosopher discuss various aspects of human existence by drawing on the wisdom of old Ireland as well as their own expertise and life experiences. In this episode, we discuss uncertainty. Sheila begins by telling us about her own personal experiences of uncertainty and how she draws on these to inform her work as a life and business coach. We then discover that the people of Old Ireland took a very practical approach to dealing with their own uncertainties. Furthermore, it seems that there has been a decline of this practical wisdom in contemporary society and this correlates to the exponential rise of consumerism. In the final part, we explore some philosophical recommendations and conclude that we can better deal with our own uncertainties by drawing on this advice and by developing the practical mindset of the old Irish. Hi Sheila, how are you? I'm good, James. Uh, I obviously am still coping with the lockdown. However, I have found that every cloud has a silver lining. I've learned a few new skills. One of them is learning how to use Zoom and to be able to communicate with people through the medium of Zoom. I've also thoroughly enjoyed learning how to have this kind of conversation in a podcast. And they have been two really big pluses for me and have stimulated my both my imagination and have taught me new skills. And I found that that's great, particularly at my age. However, I can see, James, yours is a different story. So I'm wondering how you're coping with with lockdown still. Well, I'm not too bad. Like I've enjoyed learning how to use the editing software and all that thing with the podcast. I've enjoyed all of that, learning new skills and trying to keep on top of things and be productive um and i'm not too bad overall but i suppose my big thing is about the future it's the uncertainties of the future uh both in my personal and my professional life um particularly professional worried about future career prospects and what's going to happen and securing my future economically and yeah so that's where my kind of anxieties are at the moment and I think there's a lot of that going on right now. And I just thought it would be good to ask you, what's your understanding of uncertainty? Well, uncertainty, I think it has different levels, but uncertainty generally is not sure what's going to happen. And I know that that is there all of the time. But right now, I think it's there in much more intensity where people are worrying about their finances, their families, uh, what the future holds in general. So obviously that's quite difficult. However, I have lived with uncertainty quite a bit. And so my understanding of it is that basically you try and put as many contingency plans in place to deal with the uncertainty. But at the same time, you're never sure how it's going to work out. 
So that really, in a nutshell, is what my understanding of uncertainty is. And what about your personal experiences of uncertainty? Have your previous experiences, have they allowed you to become better able at dealing with it? Yeah, I have had previous experiences of uncertainty. Like, I believe that there was always an element of uncertainty in our house. Uh, Growing up on a farm and always dependent on the weather uh, to get the crops. And that was our source of income. So that was uncertainty. And while my parents coped very well with that, and I believe they put contingency plans in place in as far as they could, but still there was always that question mark. Uh, And I know that as a child, I was able to pick up those vibes. So I believe that that in one sense uh, taught me about uncertainty. Uh, The other very big experience I had of uncertainty was when uh, my son uh, got acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Uh, He was diagnosed with it at 19 and I realised that it was a life-threatening disease and I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So therefore, first of all, I had to come to terms with it and realise that I was in this particular situation. And as my husband said to me, we're in this situation now, so we're going to have to work through it in as far as we can and hope for the best. And that's exactly what we had to do. Every day you got up and uh, I realised that I had to take one day at a time, work through it and hope for the best. That was exactly what I did. So if I could maybe just bring you through that process, I think it might help people. Uh, So effectively, then as a result of being diagnosed, he had to go to a isolation unit uh, where he got massive doses of chemotherapy as a result of having 29 consecutive days Uh, chemotherapy it meant he wasn't able to put his foot to the floor he was so weak and there was huge uncertainty there for me like I asked myself the question every day will he come through this however there was only one way to go with it and that was through it you couldn't sidestep it there was no going back it was there it was staring you in the face and I realized I had to work through it right so then came the bone marrow transplant and the bone marrow transplant again It's very difficult to know whether or not it's going to work out. However, we were lucky enough that we had a match in the family. However, again, until people were tested, you didn't know whether that was going to happen or not. So effectively then, having had the bone marrow transplant, there was then the the waiting for the blood cells to reactivate in the body and that took 14 days another waiting game huge uncertainty again and then after that then they uh, john had to go on anti-rejection uh, drugs as the body recognizes that there's a foreign body in it and tries to reject it as a result of him being in that situation uh, his immune system was very depressed And then he went and got um, meningococcal meningitis. And that was a year on. So that was a year of huge uncertainty. And when he got the meningococcal meningitis, he was unconscious for a weekend. And again, we didn't know what the outcome of, of that was. Thankfully, we worked through it. And as a result of working through it, John is still alive and doing well. 
So that was a huge learning curve for me. But the two biggest learnings for me was courage and humility, the courage to face your fears. And I think that's extremely important. And the humility to know that you need other people to help you, because otherwise it, it, it wasn't going to work out. So I think that that's a good example of huge uncertainty in my life. And I believe that can be applied to any situation. I'm wondering, did that inform how you dealt with uncertainty or helped other people work through uncertainty in your professional capacity? I believe it it has informed my practice. I believe anything that you work through and have the experiential learning is, well, first of all, it's a great teacher. So therefore you learn and uh, I, I think you become more sympathetic and empathetic towards other people who are going through a difficulty may not be sickness it might be just a change of career they're going through but any turmoil needs to be dealt with and it needs to be dealt with in an effective way and I believe the biggest single thing in uncertain situations is that you make a decision to give it your best shot and to get the information and having got the information to try and minimize the uncertainty okay so for example people might come to me who are finding that they're in a job and they're finding it very difficult to cope perhaps uh, some people would come and tell me that they're in quite a, a toxic atmosphere and they feel that if they remain in the certainty that they are in knowing that they have a job that's going to pay them well but that might come at the expense of their health and as a result of that they find that they have to make a decision and they're finding it difficult to make the decision and they come and they look for the listening mirror to challenge them and to to reflect back to them what I'm hearing and seeing and then they are able to come to their own conclusions but I believe that because I have been through uncertain times myself that I'm able to trust the process to work through with them and to enable them to come to their own conclusions as as to whether or not it's appropriate to stay in an environment that could cause them either a physical or mental breakdown. Okay, uh, the other situation was after the last financial crisis, uh, a lot of people's businesses were decimated or indeed their careers were decimated. And when they picked themselves up after the shock of this happening and they decided that they obviously wanted to do something with the rest of their life, many people would feel they were at a crossroads and would employ the services of a coach Uh, to help them come to their conclusions as to what the best way forward was for them. And again, I believe I could empathise with them. I could see that if they worked through a process and the main thing was I had to make sure that they kept their self-belief alive. Uh, Then at the end of the day, most of those uh, got into even different lot of them change careers so it was an opportunity as well as a difficulty and many of them changed careers some of them went back to college some of them went back to the job that they were already in or the business that they were already in but they learned from their mistakes and they learned that uh, sometimes getting too big isn't always the answer 
So I, I believe there was a huge learning curve there. And I believe I had the skills to be able to talk people through that kind of situation. And I believe partly because I acquired them through experiential learning. Yes, I think it's wonderful that you were able to help people through their uncertainties by drawing on your past experiences. And it reminds me a bit of the Keening tradition uh, that we discussed in the episode on grief. And the reason why the Keeners were in a position to bring people through the grieving process was because they'd experienced grief themselves. Yeah, it's interesting now that you're saying that. I'm wondering, is there anything in our Irish history that's comparable to uh, the level of uncertainty we're experiencing now? Yes, there are many instances, I think, that we could compare to the levels of uncertainty that we are experiencing right now. In fact, I would say that there's many instances which we couldn't even compare to it because the level of uncertainty was so high for people. Um, you know, the last 50, 60 years in Ireland has seen Ireland turned into a, a first world country. The economy has grown substantially. People's wealth, people have gained a lot of wealth, a lot of security. That's a lot to do with people's ability to be able to go on to third level education and the opportunities that they took from that. And the rise of the economy gave rise to new opportunities for people. So we've seen in Ireland a lot of security and certainty over the last 50 or 60 odd years. Uh, but prior to that, Ireland's economy was very poor. We were, I mean, 100 years ago, we were an infant state. Um and we were we had to really find our feet and uh, so people's lives were a lot more uncertain then and i mean if you want to just take some examples i mean go back to the what's called the emergency in ireland world war 2 uh there was big problems with uh, being able to import and export different materials so the economy suffered as a result of that and in the 1930s you had the world depression which affected ireland not to the same extent as other countries but certainly affected us uh, affected the rural, rural economy and prior to that you had the irish revolution the war of independence or as it's known also and obviously uh, the country was uh, badly affected by that particular period of our history too and look, the, the, the glaring obvious one is, is you go back 50 years from that and it was the famine. And prior to that, it was the penal laws uh, rule. The, the majority of the population were destitute and uh, ignorant. Kept, they were willfully kept ignorant by, their, by the, the, the ruling uh, elite. And so people's lives were very uncertain. We had several famines before the famine in, 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 in the 1840s. Uh, we had several big famines where thousands and thousands died as well. So I think really uncertainty has characterised the fabric of Irish history. Mm. And so it's very difficult to say that, you know, that there's there are things that are comparable, but it's they're on a very big scale. But it's not to say that people's levels of uncertainty aren't justified right now. I certainly feel that my uncertainty is justified out. I mean, history is relative, right? So we can only deal with what's in front of us. Mm. And so we, we have to, I think that the kind of uncertainty right now is comparable to epoch, you know, past epochs and past events in, that have, have occurred. I do think, though, that in the last 10, 10, or 10 years or so, what we've seen is this, this kind of security that was built up uh, that's we've seen a regression in that security since the financial crisis. So, 
I think it's funny because what we saw in um, 08, 09 and, and the years that followed that was people had a, a huge sense of security, financial security, and they, people had they lived very lavish lifestyles, bought a lot of property, and then the bubble burst and people, a lot of people went bust as a result of that. And I think that gave rise to a lot of uncertainty in terms of our financial uncertainty. You know, relying on the economy. You can't rely on the economy. You have to rely on yourself. But what has what's this what's this what kind of uncertainty has the coronavirus, the pandemic, give rise to? Well, look, we're always preparing for wars, we're always preparing for different kinds of things, but particularly we we it's very much focused on geopolitics and you know wars with other countries now ireland is probably not a good example in that sense but if you look at america for example who spends a significant amount of their federal budget on defense but we spend very little money on uh being prepared for a a, a world pandemic and before this occurred before this pandemic occurred clearly people in the west and when i mean the west i mean western europe not the usa canada australia new zealand those countries in particular, we clearly had a high sense of certainty about these epidemics and outbreaks. I mean, we had the Zika virus in Brazil in 2016. We had the many, we had several Ebola outbreaks. We've had loads of pandemics before, but we've never been this badly affected by it in the West. Well, we wore a hundred years ago by the, the Spanish flu, but for some reason that fell into the our our our, our collective amnesia. Yeah, mm-hmm. we forgot about it. I I mean I've studied history to as an undergraduate and I've studied I read history I love history and I, I mean I probably have read about the Spanish flu but it was only a footnote you know mm. or a sentence it wasn't considered to be something significant but yes it was between 50 and 100 million people died as a result of that so we've clearly have these levels of of certainty or at least illusions of certainty mm-hmm. that have been now burst twice mm-hmm. our uncertain our certainties about the the economy and our certainties about uh our our our, our health and well-being in terms of our protections from a, a global pandemic so i think that people's uncertainties have been people's uncertainties have been greatly exasperated right now and certainly mine have but if i take take it back to what's comparable in our own history i think prior to probably the 50s to 60s prior to this rise of the Irish economy, prior to all this wealth that was gained over the latter part of the 20th century, people didn't think like that anyway, because life was characterised by uncertainty. And if you want some examples of that, I mean, infant mortality, we had some of the highest infant mortality rates in Europe in the 30s and in the 20s. We had some. We still, people talk about 1916 and Ireland having some of the worst slums in Europe, in Dublin. But yet we still had some of the worst slums in Europe in the 1920s and 1930s, part of this infant state. So people lived with uncertainty. And we didn't have all the technological advance, advancements that we have now, particularly in agriculture, for example. And even if we had, the Irish farmer was very slow to implement those technological advancements. So I think that people lived with a great degree of uncertainty. I, I, the question I suppose I'm asking myself is, what's the difference between those people and between us right now and have we the coping skills to deal with this uncertainty what do you think yeah it's interesting 
because the question I was going to put to you was it should be in our DNA because if you look at the generations that dealt with the uncertainty of their times and they gave people uh, their children the coping mechanisms to deal with the next set of uncertainties but I think where it possibly went wrong that for a brief part of our history that there was the permanent and pensionable job where people became complacent and where people just forgot about saving for the rainy day and where it was just pure consumerism and they, they lashed money and sometimes money that they didn't even have and then unfortunately the coping skills got got lost mm. and now we're finding ourselves in this second crisis in a decade just almost mm. where we're wondering have we the coping skills to cope with the uncertainty that we see glaring us in the face and that's the sad reality mm. and i i'm I, I whether we have them or not we're going to have to learn them absolutely well yeah. so i think so sorry for jumping in there i just want to make this point i suppose i'm wondering then you know people clearly had high levels of uncertainty but were they better able to deal with the uncertainty that's the question i ask and perhaps you might be able to Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, and obviously I can only give it to you from my personal experiences. And I just found that my mother was proactive. Basically, she was proactive in dealing with uncertainty because she realised that it was all uncertain. And she realised with a household of 13 in all and one one income that if she didn't put the right mechanisms in place, we could go hungry. That's the simple facts. So it was constantly drummed into us. You cut the cloth to suit the measure. Willful waste makes woeful want. Necessity is the mother of invention. And I saw all of that acted out in her life. Like she was an amazing woman. But the interesting thing is go back to her mother who had 13 children. And I actually gave a speech at my mother's 80th birthday and her sister came up to me and she said to me, I thought it was our mother you were talking about. Because she had learned those very same skills from her mother. And my uncle told me different stories about uh, my granny. He said, first of all, that she was an amazing woman and she could make little go a long way. And her father was a sergeant in the guards. And uh, each year they got new uniforms. And as a result, the old uniforms were discarded. But she kept those uniforms and she made uh, pants for the number of lads she had. And they were their school pants. And she always said there was great material in it. Also, I heard the story that um, she bought coats and then she turned the coat the following year because it had gone shabby on one side. And the next year she'd look at it again and she'd say, that coat needs to be turned again. So that just shows the practicality. She often told me herself about using flower bags for pillowcases. Nothing but nothing was wasted. And I saw my mother to her dying day how she just could not bear to waste anything. So much so that when she'd get a loaf of bread, she'd divide it into the number of slices she needed each day and uh, put that many into the freezer and it she would only take out what she was going to use. She never wasted a crust of bread. And because that was ingrained in her 
that if you wasted, you couldn't need it. And she always talked about putting a little aside for the rainy day. And I know my mother always had that little bit aside for the rainy day because she didn't have any choice. And I believe those women were so resilient and they had learned the coping skills to deal with uncertainty. And unfortunately, I believe we lost them somewhere in transit. And we now are at the crossroads where we need to get them back again. Mm. And obviously they can be learned again, but... I I can see myself that there has been a lot of waste. And when she'd see waste, do you know what she'd say? She'd say, I hope it'll keep fine for them. In other words, I hope they don't live to see that rainy day, mm. which was interesting. Mm. Absolutely. And I suppose those, particularly your mother, I think she was someone who was shaped in the 30s, in the 40s. You know, that was, they were times of economic hardship. So, People didn't waste, right? They they couldn't waste because the, the the economic resources weren't there. And I mean, there was people in perhaps I know that your mum's dad was a guard, and so they had some level of security at least. But there was people in far worse situations than they were, so people had to be practical. And I wonder is that something that today we have kind of lost? We've in this in this like mass collection of of wealth that's happened over the last 50 or 60 odd years i know that there's been a regression in the last decade or so but have we forgot how to be practical and why is that and i suppose the question i'm asked the question i'm going to kind of ask the answer the question myself uh, but i think it's something to do with the kind of society we have it's this like it's the kind of capitalism we have again. It's it, capitalism has obviously it's it's a good thing in the sense that it's raised millions out of poverty, right? But it's a kind of a vicious system in a way because what it does is it's this consumer capitalism where people are obsessed with having material wealth and having material things, but actually it's not that you earn the money to pay for the material things; you loan the money to pay for the material things. So a lot of people, a lot of the lights we see, the, the flash car or the snazzy watch or the, the nice suit, it's all paid for on loan. It's all credit. And I think we've lost the run of ourselves in that sense. I was I was um, on Facebook earlier on and I saw the queues that were outside of Pennies that reopened yesterday. Uh, it's Primark or Pennies. It's a, for anybody that doesn't know, that's effectively... A, uh, it's a, a mass clothing chain and there was queues miles long trying to get into pennies i mean how how badly does people need, need to, to buy these to buy these clothes i don't understand it but it's it's something that's now changed our psyche has changed in, in 50 or 60 years it's all about having more stuff and i just think that there's a level of impracticality about all of that uh and i think that that's the kind of that's certainly i think the nuggets of wisdom that we can gain from the Irish past is is the practicality. I don't know what you what do you think of that? Yeah, well, I would go so far as saying in many ways we have lost the art of self-survival. I remember growing up in Stradbally and I remember this man down the road who had a one acre plot with his little cottage. He had a large family. All the families were large in those days. He worked on the road and anything like the amount of vegetables he produced for his family, 
which meant that was minimising the grocery bill every week. And as a result, they lived comfortably. They, they were able to make a little go a long way. And I just was always fascinated with how much he could get out of so little. And I think losing the art of self-survival is a very dangerous thing. Mm. And because we have just press put an instant gratification, no more than go in, buy, buy, buy. Some of them are never worn. They're basically just recycled. Plus, we're adding a big, uh, we're adding hugely to um, to the the woes of the planet by getting more than we need. Mm. And I, I truly believe that we have lost that art of self-survival. And I believe that that's crucial to getting it back now. Yeah. Well, I think people, obviously, they were far more practical, but they also save money. We we spend money today we, and we get the lender money. That's the, that's kind of the, I know lots of people who are, you know, they're happy to borrow, 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 borrow and spend, 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 spend. And don't get me wrong, I've borrowed and spent as well. So I'm not trying to say I'm practical either. But I think I think I could definitely do with being a bit more practical myself. And I think people, we all could in general be a bit more practical, um, putting the money away for a rainy day and reusing, recycling, and not like having to have, not having to have the the car or the the new car or the you know the. The, con- the conservatory for the house or whatever you know what I mean it's it's just we're, it's it, again it comes back to it's social media doesn't help any of this because it's seeing other people and seeing what they have and that that sense of rivalry that you feel and that sense of wanting to have what the other wants to make yourself equal with them and I think that that's a, that that feeds into this this kind of vicious circle of, of consumerism people we fought we've fallen into it and I think if we were able to re- retrace and regrasp some of that practicality of our forebears, that it would it would serve us a lot better than this this reliance on 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 this consumerist economy, because apparently it creates lots of jobs. I wonder is the best way forward. I'm not so sure because what's happened each time is we've every t- the, the system works perfectly until there's a crisis, and then what happens is, is lo- loads of people go out of go go into bankruptcy or go bust and then there there's more people that are uh, shoved down under the poverty line mm. and more people who are on the street homeless mm. so but, where does it stop where does it stop the, but does the system work better until there's a crisis does it work well, better uh, a, or should we be teaching people really good life skills would that be more productive in I'm the long sure term? I'm sure it would be, but like it's I, I again I want to reiterate that it's not necessarily that capitalism is a bad thing. I think capitalism is a good thing. It's in, in many ways it's achieved a lot and it's brought a lot of people out of poverty. We can't deny that. That's a fact. I mean, people's even in comparison to fifty years ago. So we the the state is able to because of the levels of taxation the state is able to insure people to some degree in terms of social welfare and things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's all a result of the wealth that has been gained through capitalism. But at the same time, it's there's huge inequities in the system and inequalities, right? But it's has it taken us away from that kind of practicality? I think it has. And I think that's certainly the little nugget of wisdom it's like we've we've looked at traditions in the last couple of episodes we've looked at the mehal we've looked at the keening tradition and 
they're very useful, those particular tra- traditions, to look at particular topics. But uncertainty is such a broad topic. I, I mean, it's uncertainty because our lives, like, you know, I talk, think about certainty and I think there is no such thing as certainty. There's no such thing as certainty. And even in the sciences, there's no such thing as certainty. And it's, that's what you would call epistemic certainty. Mm-hmm. There's this guy called Karl Popper. And basically his idea was that you can never have a, 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 a hypothesis which is conclusive. You can only falsify a hypothesis. And what he means by that is that we can, we can go out in the world and we can carry out all the tests we want. And that will verify the, the theory we have, right? Mm-hmm. But we can always find something to counter that theory. But it's only it's only the theories which can stand up to f- can can not be falsified they're the only theories we can rely on but we can we can never have complete certainty about those theories either mm-hmm. scientific knowledge changes constantly so even in the sciences there's no such thing as certainty there's no such thing as certainty in life mm-hmm. i wonder so all we can talk about is degrees of uncertainty mm-hmm. and i think what we've experienced in the past i mean when i mean the past i mean the, you know from the 60s onwards in ireland in particular was lesser degrees of uncertainty but now these degrees of uncertainty are starting to to ratchet up again that's true james and i agree thoroughly with you however i'm just thinking that there was that period of relative certainty okay and i believe that that brought us to a level of complacency and i think that therein lies the problem and then when the problem, the big problem arose when the financial crash was there. People were in shock and they didn't know what to do or how to cope with it. And that's been honest. And, you know, the, the real danger was, and I'll go back to my mother again. She always said there's a big danger in living from hand to mouth. OK, that it's, it's sometimes it's down to management skills that, OK, I have X amount. How do I make the best use of that? with a little bit of a contingency plan in place. But people were not thinking like that when that relative certainty was there. And hence the whole thing exploded. What do you think about that? Again, I think that's a consequence of the kind of system we have. I mean, it's we, it's natural for us to become complacent. I think people are, are have already started to become complacent with regards to COVID. And... I think it, we're, we're certainly most likely to see a surge, a second surge at some point in the future all over. I mean, it's just seen in, that there's been a second surge in China, for example, or they're, they're, they at least have fears about it. So what does that tell us then about uncertainty? I think that's interesting that a certain element of uncertainty is probably a good thing because it keeps us on our toes. And that that's the question I'd like to ask you. Do you see any positives in uncertainty? Look, it, there are many positives to uncertainty because effectively uncertainty, I, I genuinely, I've thought about this and I don't believe that there's such a thing as certainty in life. We can be, the only thing we can be certain about, the only thing we can be certain about is debt. There's nothing else that we can be really certain about. Maybe paying taxes, isn't that how the saying goes? But really, the, life is, is, is characterised by uncertainty. And if I think about that in terms of philosophy and i think about you know i always refer to two schools of philosophy existentialism and stoicism and it's not that i'm a disciple of either one i just think that they both have their merits i think the existentialists would say that it's when we're confronted with high levels of uncertainty that we discover our true freedom that we always have the ability to choose and the stoics would say well uncertainty is life so 
all we can do is develop the right character traits to deal with that uncertainty to have the right resilience and fortitude so i think that the positives on uncertainty are it's look uncertainties it's like anything it's when i think about emotions i don't see emotions as negative or positive i just see them as something that exists and it's about all about how you deal with the emotions that you experience it's all about how you deal with uncertainty so uncertainty is it's in part of life and i think it can be a, a, a force for positive change in your life personally but in society as well mm-hmm. because this uncertainty now is on one side it's woken us up to the inadequacies of our governments that's one side of it the inadequacies of inadequacies of the economic system that we have this this long supply chain but that effectively this supply chain that goes the whole way to china and then when we have a global pandemic we're we're, we're, we're reliant on this supply chain to to get ppe protective personal equipment to our our health care workers and because of the because of this global demand for PPE, uh, European countries are, were outbidding one another in order to get it. Because we had become so reliant on this system, which for which the whole idea of is, is to make cheap things cheaper and cheaper and cheaper uh, with, on supply chains that are further and further and further away. So that's the, that's that's this is uncertainty has woken us up to that, and surely that that uncertainty then. That we're experiencing right now will make us realize that we need to change the kind of system we have but in terms of our own personal life as well uncertainty is something that can drive us and it's something that can drive us to be creative and to, to achieve new things um and to look at our lives and reevaluate. and i think that there's there's two sides to uncertainty in that sense so it can make us think about the world it can also make us think about ourselves mm-hmm. and so i see that as the positives uncertainty of course then there's the other side of it that you know high degrees of uncertainty and people who are in severely uncertain situations that's you know that's that's a different that's another side to it and but i I suppose look the existentialists and the stoics they would always say it doesn't matter what situation you're in the existentialists would say you always have a choice you always have a choice it's your decision and you can say whatever you like. You can say, well, no, I have to look after this thing and I have this thing in my life. And there's this thing that's not allowing me to do it. But that's a, that's 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 to deny your own responsibility. You have to take responsibility. And on the other side, the Stoics would say, well, look, there are all these things that are out of control. But it's up to you to make those right decisions, to develop the character traits that will allow you to do so. <laughs> so I think uncertainty, to some degree, can be a positive thing. And I think it can be a positive thing right now. In the sense that, as I've said, it can allow us to see the system, but it can always allow us to hold the mirror up to ourselves. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And listening to you and the two uh, schools of philosophy, look, there is a saying which says circumstances merely reveal it the man and put a man into a particular set of circumstances and that person could flourish even in very difficult circumstances and another person could wither in those same set of circumstances so I think that's true and also when you're talking about developing the right skill set and if you think about what I have told you about my past history like that's exactly what those women did they developed the right skill set to be able to cope with the uncertainty and as a result they got through it and they did extremely well I have to be honest you know, but then again, I think their resilience and their tenacity 
was so much greater because it had to be greater. Mm. That's the way it works. Mm. We're yeah. a product of our environments. We are a product of our environment. But then talking about the positives that could come out of it as yeah, well. Yeah, there, well, there, there certainly are a lot of positives that we can take from it right now. But the first thing, I suppose, is to acknowledge that we are products of our environments. And so it's very difficult to change things. But we can change things. We can change these aspects and become more practical, become more aware of, you know, these 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 false sense of security, this false sense of security that we've had. And those women were products of their environment. And the, what I mean by that is they were born into economic hardship. Uh, the world around them was full of economic hardship. But also there was clearly a tradition whereby they learned from one another, from their mother. They learned those practical skills that we've lost along the way. Because the kind of society we have now doesn't we those those skills became superfluous unnecessary but now we need to learn those skills again because the the world is changing radically and that that to me is you know we've got the practical knowledge the practical wisdom we've got the philosophers telling us stoic philosophy like existentialists i'm not so sure about because they were kind of bourgeoisie parisians sitting in cafes in paris drinking coffee and wine and discussing things about life but the stoics are a really good example one of the most famous stoic philosophers epictetus was a slave for example and so he came out of great hardship and was able to become a great philosopher and someone who preached the, the, the virtues of developing resilience and fortitude and being able to cold oneself even in the most dire of circumstances. And that practical philosophy that we get from Stoicism is very useful in that sense. But also the practicality of our forebears, of our ancestors, uh, that had this, these life skills that were passed down from one generation to the next, which allowed them to deal with the uncertainties of life. So I suppose what we could say then is that Right now, we're experiencing high degrees of uncertainty. But if we had those practical skills and knowledge, would we be experiencing the uncertainty in the same way? I think we wouldn't, because I think people would be better able to deal with uncertainty. That's what I think. I agree thoroughly with what you're saying. I, and I, I'm seeing it from an older pair of eyes and f from longer life experience. And I agree with you. And and unfortunately the rainy day has come now so we're going to have to evaluate where we're at how we move forward and how we put practical solutions in in the long term because we have seen that when there is a very difficult crisis it's very difficult to have the coping skills to deal with it as we are now because we have lost that sense of practicality and somebody uh, said once, change happens as a result of choice, where you make the choice, chance where something happens and you get lucky, or crisis. And I believe you probably learn most in the crisis situation because you have to strip everything back down to its very basics mm. and say, how do we move forward from here? And I'd like to ask you, how do you think we move forward from here? What's... What's what's the way forward? I think that there's a number of way ways we can go forward. I think personally and then as a society, I think clearly as a, as a society, we need to look at the the kind of over-reliance we have on these supply chains, on products that are made thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away 
in order to save a few cents on each item which to me now clearly it's shown the inadequacy of that system and I think that's a question for the politicians I think it's a question for us as a society and it's a question for us to elect the right people who will look at that seriously and I think also then we need to look at how we go forward in terms of how we prepare for global pandemics in the future because look we 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 forgot about the Spanish flu really I mean we did and um if we had an awareness of that we have an awareness of the titanic we have an awareness of world war Two, world war one we don't have that that conscious that that collective awareness of the spanish flu which to me is so odd you know because if we had if that was part of and ingrained in our collective narrative of western history we would be more prepared for something like this because we realize that we're not infallible. We realize that we are that we are prone and susceptible to 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 these kinds of viruses in the West. On a personal note, on a personal basis, I think as people, I think we can look at our our ancestors and we can see the practicality the practicalities that they had that were clearly passed down from one generation to the next those life skills that we've lost because of the kind of society we have. And perhaps it's time now to, to, to take those things back and learn to, to learn to use those practicalities again and to be prepared, more prepared. And I think that will help us deal with uncertainty because what we've done is, what we'll do in doing that, what we do is, is we take back control of our lives where our life isn't based, isn't invested in ourselves, aren't in ourselves, aren't, invested in this system whereby we rely on the banks to lend us money so we go out and spend it or we rely on the banks to spend to, to create money and to help us get money so we can create more wealth we we rely on ourselves self-sufficiency that's 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 the big thing people were more self-sufficient and don't get me wrong there's the other side of self-sufficiency as well you, you know no man is an island we will always rely on one another but we've kind of lo- we've we've kind of gone so far away from self sufficiency that we've completely lost our sense of practicality, and I think that's something we really need to look at. And I think I'm very much included in that, and my generation is included in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, another thing from listening to you as well that's coming to me is that I also think we need to evaluate how we use our time. Like time is such a precious commodity, and sometimes we work more hours than we probably need to if we were more practical about how we spent our money mm. and and at the end of the day all you have is time but surely i think that that's i think people perhaps that's a positive of this pandemic because of the lockdown people are they've had to slow down a bit and maybe they've 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 kind of realized that a bit more time spent with the family and being in you know not having to go on the holiday or buy the new car or go out to the pub every weekend or to go to the restaurant or whatever spending 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 it's not necessary to be happy but for some reason we've been tricked into that we've yeah. been we've been conditioned into that is probably the right right word to say that you know socializing constantly spending money flashing the cash you know and social media allows for that because we can post a picture of the, on on our stories on our news feeds and say look how great my life is that time we have, the savouring the time we have with people and the simpler pleasures. We've lost touch with the simpler pleasures as well. You know, the yeah. walk, the bit of music, 
that kind of stuff. Okay, so that sounds really good. Like you're saying, like there is positives in it. And I can see clearly from listening to you that there is positives in it. So maybe some people needed this challenge to look at where they're at and seeing how they're going to use their life going forward. I remember one thing that happened at my granny's funeral and that was that one of my aunts said to me that how she remembers her mother was that she liked being challenged. She was always used to being challenged and she challenged herself every day to to do the best she could. And I think I think that's great. Like when you think back on how people lived then, you know, and there were many challenges for them. And maybe we had become too complacent and maybe now because we were forced to slow down, we the whole world was forced to slow down. And we all realise that we're in this together. We're humanity fighting a pandemic that that could make or break us at the end of the day. Mm. So therefore, we have to be practical in our approach going forward. Uh, first of all, to be able to minimise. Secondly, to see, are we wasting? Are we making, are we really having that willful waste without even realising it? And can we live on less and how are we using the, that 86,400 seconds of every day? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I would totally agree. Uh, I think there are probably some of the positives. I think, I do think that we can overcome our uncertainty. I think that it's just about being able to realise that we have, we need to rely more on ourselves and see that we have resources that we didn't even know we had. And that, that t- challenging times will teach us that. Clearly, that's what you learned from your experience of severe illness with your son, with my brother. And that's something that hope I've learned in some of my own experiences is to be, you know, more self-sufficient. I think the older I get, the more I try to be more self-sufficient, not to rely too much on others and try to be, you know, you know, and that doesn't mean just materially. I mean, emotionally and mentally as well to be able to, to draw on my own resources and that, that helps me with uncertainty. But that doesn't mean I don't experience uncertainty. I mean, my life at the moment is is characterized by high degrees of uncertainty and things that are very much outside of my control. But that's just life, unfortunately. And so it's 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 not about it's not about what life does to you, it's about how you respond to it. I think it's that simple. So I suppose that brings us back to the life coaching and the business coaching. You clearly deal with a lot of people who are experiencing high degrees of uncertainty. How do you help them? What are what are the processes do you take them through to to overcome their uncertainty? Yeah, well, the first process is I have to see where they're at. Um and what's causing them the problem at that point at this point in their life. Then we have to look at the options that are available to them. We have to look at the pros and cons of each option. I have to put the responsibility back on them. I can't do it for them. They have to do it themselves. So when we look at the pros and cons of each option, sometimes people say, I think I have my answer. And I would like to try this. And generally speaking, obviously, this isn't done in one session. It's done over a number of sessions where you take small goals, you get them to go away and reflect. You might use the reflective journal, for example. But they come to their own conclusions as to whether it's the right step for them at this point in their life. 
Right. So that's really how you deal with it. First of all, you get them to clearly identify what their uncertainty is. You have to look at the pros and cons of, of the couple of options that are available to them. Having get, get Getting them to tell you what the pros and cons are, uh, you have to tease it out of them because don't forget a life coach has to help someone unravel their thinking. And as a result of doing that, they usually come up with a way forward that they're prepared to work through. Remembering sometimes people have to go backwards to go forwards. And I think that that's a very essential ingredient in this situation we're in, because we may have to go backwards in order to move forward again. But the great thing is the wisdom you gain in all of this. And like sometimes if if you have too much certainty in your life, your life gets monotonous. But like I can guarantee you we're going to be on our toes for a while with um, this particular situation that the whole world has found themselves in. Mm. So what what how do you think we go about developing this kind of practicality that we've perhaps lost? Well, I I think I think maybe groups might need to come together in a parish and uh, and look at what are the skills. Even I'm often thinking about how valuable it would be to audit the skill set in any particular parish. And to see how as a community, going back again to what our ancestors did, they they knew that there were certain skill sets in a community and they used them for the betterment of the community with the self-interest built in as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's one way we could certainly, it would be a starter anyway, without a doubt. Like the, the reality is we have to get some practical wisdom back into our lives in order to be able to move forward effectively and to be proactive in eliminating as much risk as we can in the future. What can we draw from this conversation about what, how, how we can deal more effectively with uncertainty? Well, it seems to me there's a couple of things. First off, there's we can take from the Stoics and we can take from the existentialists we can take from the Stoics the idea of developing the right character traits, more resilience, more fortitude, which will allow us to be more effective and more decisive in these situations. Uh, from the from the existentialists, we can see that even though very often we deny the freedoms we have, it's what the, what Thartre would call bad fate, that we always have a choice. We always have a choice to get ourselves out of a situation, even in the most uncertain of situations. We always have that choice. So philosophically you know from a practical philosophical approach we can see that there's two things certainly we can learn about uncertainty and how we can deal with it from the irish tradition what we can learn is that that there was many practical life skills that people had that we've lost to some degree along the way that were there to help deal with this level of uncertainty to stave it off and that the community again played a central role in that in terms of even if it was tr- even through the family that these skills were passed down through generation to generation and the attitudes people had towards materiality is another important thing to talk about for example that your your grandmother she reused the coats until effectively they were battered because that that was you didn't waste waste not want not was the attitude so the attitudes we have towards materiality are very different right now. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, the the way we deal with uncertainty because we've become so secure in the kind of society we have and the kind of economic system that we have has probably in led to this led to this inability to some degree or less coping skills and that's something that we we need to retake control of but we the main thing i think we need to understand is that we are in control of that ourselves mm-hmm. we can there's stuff we can do right now to help us deal with that uncertainty mm. i think that's effectively it what is there anything you'd like to say to finish off sheila yeah well just building on what you said there I believe the first thing you need to do going forward is to look at what you're in control of and what's outside of your control and not to spend on due amount of time being totally anxious about what's outside of your control because you don't have control over it anyway. The other thing I would say to people is that there will be supports out there to help you through this situation and I believe it's imperative that you have the humility to go and seek out those supports if you need them. I believe that humility is one of the greatest gifts a human being can have. And I I, I believe that that is crucial. In fact, there's a quote that comes to my mind and it's a quotation from Einstein. And he says, Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. And I'm thinking of At the moment, we are certainly moving up a steep hill. However, if we give in, we're gone, right? And I believe that by keeping moving, keeping pedalling, we're going to get to the top of that hill. And at the top of that hill, there will be a new horizon. And I think half of the journey is in in the doing of the journey, in the sense that they say, it's better to travel hopefully than to arrive and I believe we're all in this together and that's the great thing about it and I believe there will be new horizons there will be new skills learned there'll be new challenges overcome and at the end of the day I'd like to think that we'll be better human beings who care about each other because at the end of the day that's what we're all about. Thank you very much, Sheila. It was a really interesting conversation and I'm looking forward to our next one. Yeah, and thank you, James. I really, I've told you before and I'm telling you again that I have found that by dipping my toe into the philosophy, by listening to you, basically, I just feel that my thinking has shifted considerably. And in many ways, it's taking the cobwebs off my brain. And at 68, that's brilliant for me. It'll keep me from going to seed. Hi, folks. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have a minute, please do follow or subscribe on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on. And check out our Facebook page at The Hut Near The Bog for more great content. Bye.